We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We welcome you, Jesus. We welcome you, Father. Psalms 23. Yahweh is my shepherd. I don't have need of anything. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. You're the restorer. lead us by paths of righteousness for your sake Lord yea though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil they brought the table is set in the presence of our enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup your cup it runs over Surely goodness, surely goodness and mercy. Shall follow me, track me down all my days of my life. And I will dwell, and I do dwell. And I become a dwelling place for the Lord for all eternity. Amen.
face when you do Cause it's shocking And forgive all my assumptions And forgive all my exceptions Come and be what you are Cause me to be the one to change
See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingle down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand and raise your eyes and look at him this king crown with many thorns Oh, such a throne he now is seated and on his throne his love is found and on Christ the solid rock I stand Yeah. 
principalities lost their strength at the cross of Christ. He will reign, and He's reigning now, and we will meet Him in the sky.
must bow down Chapter 19. After these things I heard was sounded like a loud voice of a vast throng in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Say it, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and just. And before because he's judged the great prostitute who come, has corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality and has avenged the blood of the servants poured by her own hands. Then a second time the crowd shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke rises. The smoke rises from her forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures threw themselves on the ground and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God. All you his servants and all you that fear him, but small and the great. And then I heard what sounded like the voice of a vast throne, like the roar of many waters, like loud crashes of thunder. And they were shouting, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the all-powerful reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. She was permitted to be dressed in bright, clean, fine linen for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write the following. Blessed are those who are invited at the banquet at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. So I threw myself down at his feet to worship him, but he said, do not do this. I am only a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony about Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw in heaven opened, and here came a white horse. And the one riding is called Faithful and True, and with justice. He judges and he goes to war. His eyes are like a fiery flame. And there are many goddamn crowns on his head. And he has a name written that no one knows except himself. He's strapped in clothing tipped in blood. And he's called the Word of God. 
The armies that are now in heaven, dressed in white, clean, fine linen, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth extends a sharp sword, so that with him he can strike the nations. And he will rule them with an iron rod. And he stomps the winepress of the furious wrath of God, the all-powerful. He has a name written on his clothing and on his thigh. King of kings. Lord of lords. Then I saw one angel standing in the sun, and he shouted in a loud voice to all the birds flying high in the sky. Come gather around the great banquet of God. Eat your fill of the flesh of kings, the flesh of generals, the flesh of powerful people, the flesh of horses and those who ride them, the flesh of all people, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to do battle with the one who rode the horse with his army. Now the beast was seized along with him and the false prophet who performed the signs on his behalf, signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who had worshiped the image. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire burning with sulfur. And the others were killed by the sword that extended from the mouth of the one who rode on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Amen. children 
majesty comes from daughters and sons to hold up your name and declare you their God. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, hallelujah. Lift up your name, magnify your name, magnify. Like an incense, like an incense. Bless your name, holiest name, name above all names. It's not just five letters, it's all that he is. So This may be the place where he sets his name and lives. Don't take, don't take the place where he sets his name in vain, in vain. Bless the name with your whole heart, with your whole mind, and your whole your whole strength bless his name bless his name for it's due him bless his name bless his name oh it's due him
Song of Songs, uh, chapter 6. We'll begin with verse 10. This morning at our house, Kara and I and Lydia had come back off of a walk up Summit, which is, we're, we live at the base of Reynolds Mountain, and we had went to the very top of this. Like there's a tower up there, and so we climbed, coming back down, and was and getting ready to transition this morning. And I go into the, um, the sitting on the edge of my bed. You know, everybody's getting their showers. We're all getting ready for today. And I sit down on the edge of my bed, and I just said, um, I just want to embrace your tenderness, Lord. And because he's been so tender and uh, so gentle and the Lord is, is so gentle and tender and, and just takes the edge off and and um, all of a sudden the spirit of the Lord just, just rushes in and I just sat there and just wept and wept and wept and uh, brought Kara in there, and we're just holding each other, and this is a really sweet time. And while we were holding each other, the um, the Lord reminded me and began to speak to me about you and about who you are and the specialness of, of you. And so I, I pray this message today will deeply bless you and that you'll experience his delight towards you and and who you are. And um, Song of Songs chapter 6 comes after, obviously, um, Song of Songs uh, 5, not Song of Songs 10. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to set this up because it was kind of a little bit new for me, obviously. A lot of these messages are that come from the Lord, they're uh, you must be instant in season and out of season, so you've got to be ready, uh, whatever the Holy Spirit says. And so, um, and so I, I, uh, I want to set up Song of Psalms 6. Let me just go ahead and give you the verse that was highlighted. It was highlighted this earlier this week by uh, Elizabeth Johnson in Kansas City uh, to me as we were discussing uh, this last week. I, I called her a very uh, wonderful lady. And she had shared this with me. So we'll, let me see. Let me set it up like this. And then we'll, we'll move through the text together. And then in 610, who, who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners? I went down to the... Uh, some translations call it the Garden of Nuts. I always think that that's funny. Uh, Karen, I always get a chuckle about going down to the Garden of Nuts, especially hanging out with God's people sometimes. <laughs> because, you know, well, as you know. <laughs> and to see the fruits of the valley and to see whether the vine had flourished and the pomegranates had budded. And it says here in the King James, it says, or ever I was aware, 
or, or, or ever I was aware, or if I've ever been aware before, all of a sudden my soul made me like the chariots of Amenadib. All of a sudden, even if I wasn't aware, my soul became a chariot. My soul became a chariot of the noble people, uh, the people of nobility, Aminadab, meaning the people, those of the nobility. It says, return, return, O Shulamite. Return, return, that we may look upon thee. What will you see in the Shulamite? As it were, a company of two armies, or uh, your translation, some translation says, turn, O turn, perfect one. Turn, turn, that I may stare at you. Why do you gaze upon the perfect one like the dance of Maha Anim? And when I was laying on the ground here last week, I, you know, got knocked back there, fell backwards. <laughs> when I went down, two emotions that were very prevalent in that moment was one emotion was grief. And the other emotion was just the extremity of God's love. I knew, I knew his love in a way like I don't know that I ever have in his grieving heart in the same breath. And this was his desire if I could like epitomize it into something, it would be that I want union with my people. I want every distraction out of the way. I long for this union. I long to one myself with my bride. I long to solve all of her, speaking of the soul, because there's males and females in here, we all different gender, right? But that I long to have union. I mean, like a longing that's greater than any longing of the human heart, as great as they may be, could not even compare for the, the longing of God himself uh, to come and make his abode and dwelling place inside of you. You, the nobility. You, you the family of nobility. I long for this, and, and, so, and so what I want to do this morning, I want to back up a little bit. We'll go back to Song of Songs 5, and I want to discuss the setup that I believe many of you have been going through because I've got this sense, you know, uh, praying for you, and that many of you have been facing some adversity. Um, adversity in, in your life. You've been going through some things and it's been very difficult. And it's not been because necessarily it's not been because you've been doing things wrong. It's because you've been doing what is right. I mean, you've been saying yes to the Lord. You've been faithful. And you've been, you've been integrous. Um, many of you have actually been walking in the fear of the Lord. You've not denied the fear of the Lord. You've not run from the fear of the Lord, but you have um, integrated your life into the fear of the Lord, meaning that you have been cognizant of the fact that God is both present in your, in your life that is seen and the life that is unseen by others, that you have uh, set your heart towards him. And I, I know, because uh, he told me that this morning, this house is clean. It's, uh, I'm up here and he said, I've, 
I have a clean people. And it reminded me of what David had said. He said, the blind and the lame are hated of David's soul. Uh, that didn't mean that David hated people who had uh, physical deformity, something like that. But what it meant was that David hated anything that lacked in vision blindness and, and didn't have vision and anything that couldn't get you moving along. And a lot of times we call that provision. David hated it when things were not moving forward and going integrated into what the next step would be. And he hated a lack of vision. And so the Lord says to me, he said, this people are clean. And, uh, and you are cleaned because of the words that have been spoken over your life. The word that has been invested into you from the Lord, the word that was put into you, the word that you are uh, believing and trusting in and saying yes to, that word is where that cleanliness is. It's, it's hanging on to the prophetic oracle, the prophetic word, the one that testifies of Jesus, that brings this cleanliness, this uh, process of sanctification in your life. And the Lord said, I have a clean... Uh, uh, people here. And I said, oh, that's good. That's good. But let's look at uh, Song of Songs 5 and, and what I think I've understood him right this morning. I set up Song of Songs 6 and maybe what has been some of the experience of uh, things that you and your families have been dealing with. And I'll, uh, I'll do my best with this as been a while of looking since looking at uh, Psalm Psalms 5. The lover to his beloved. I've entered my garden, oh, my sister, my bride. I've gathered my myrrh with my balsam spice. I've eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I've drunk my wine and my milk. Eat friends and drink and drink freely, oh, lovers. I was asleep, verse 2, but my mind was dreaming. Listen, my lover is knocking at the door. The lover being the, uh, this God that we serve is knocking at the door. Say she is reminiscent there later on, John Revelators, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock for me, Revelation 3.20, Right? Uh, he that will open unto me, I will come in and uh, sup with him and he with me. So listen, my lover is knocking at the door. And he says, uh, open for me, my sister, uh, my darling, my dove. Now listen, my flawless one. Just as, just as like a start out here, the Song of Solomon is taken, I believe, allegorically. Um, I'm not saying that it can't be applied, but for over, I believe, 1,900 years, Song of Songs was applied in an allegorical sense. Just in the last 100 years did some uh, scholars, uh, theologians applied in like a literal sense. But uh, uh, this guy here, I believe, I'll take the 1,900 years of scholarship and we'll take it allegorically. And that what, what is being spoke of here is the human soul. And so uh, when you're listening to this, I want you to think of it like that, that when he's saying the, the Lord's come near, 
And if you, if you didn't hear last week's uh, sermon, go back and watch it on YouTube. But when the Lord passes by, he's saying, he's coming to us. He's saying, open, open for me. Uh, let me in. Uh, let me. Now, you have to understand the Lord is not an imposer. He's not an imposter either. And so one of the things, and I remember Steve telling me this at YMI, uh, he says that the people are uh, in their seats, but if they have to ask the Lord to let him come to them you, because the Lord can be in a room with us here. Some of you can be affected or not affected, but it's really according to your, your let him, your letting. And so, you know, you're, when, you're in, when you're in the realm of God, you, you want to have a posture, and I think you do, of just let me. The Lord's coming to her and saying, look, I want you to, I want you to let me in. Open up to me. And I, you know, last week I described, I described that a lot of times, and you're going to see this here this morning, a lot of times adversity uh, sets up around us and difficulties and problems are setting up and we interpret those problems and those difficulties uh, as that God has actually fled from us. Uh, and I, I want to suggest to you that when the things that are items of this earth that we placed our trust in, whether it's our health, our relationships, or even our finances, that when God comes near, that those things more than likely, when he comes near, will be exposed more than they'll be. You know, someone would say, well, you're blessed because you got everything going for you. I, I would say, okay, you can say that, but if God comes near, that everything maybe we placed our trust in things that are involving maybe maybe we really trusted in a relationship and we thought that relationship was going to solve our problem or we were really trusting in uh, our provision or, or again, trusting that our, our bodies are going to just be brilliant and, uh, and do everything we want them to do and things start to seem like they're fall apart. That God may be nearer to you then than he has been before. Because the Lord is coming not just to... Um, He's not coming to us just to uh, put a patch on your problem. He's coming to solve it completely. Like DJ Revolver or something. Uh, anyways, I'm going to, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like a lyric went through my head. I want to solve it, something like that. When God comes, when God comes, he's not coming to put a patch on. The Lord's coming to take care of the gangrene that you can't see. He's coming to purify and to take the problem out permanently. And he says, open up to me. Or when the Lord passes by, and you know, last week you heard me speak of this. The Lord sets up a confinement by quarantine and it convenes a court. And I mean, you know, no one likes that. They don't like these two things. We, it bothers us to be, first of all, isolated quarantine and then exposed. It sounds like the cross. All alone and fully exposed. But this is the very nature of when God comes by and so say, open to me, my sister. Um, I love the language of the Lord because here he's relating to her like on a familial level. Um, he's not relating to us on a superiority complex. And if ever been around, I don't know, certain type 
people that, you know, I don't know who does that, but it's not very inviting to us when someone treats us from a position of superiority or patronizes us. Um, Nobody likes that, and everybody, generally speaking, can pick it up when somebody's looking down their nose at you. But the Lord, when he comes near, he calls her, like he's putting her uh, her into a place of almost uh, co-equality. I mean, in in some sense, that's a, how can that be? How can an uncreated God who becomes man call you a brother or a sister? But he does. He's not elevated in his own sense of superiority or has a complex like that. And so he comes to us in this way, my sister. And then he says, uh, my darling. It's very intimate, highly relational, extremely considerate. Um, I think I, I heard this morning, I had a podcast going on in my ear about Eden and the cosmic mountain. And I'm listening to this material now fell asleep. But I remember one of the last things they were saying was Eden was uh, originally in its naming. It means something to the effect of uh, Eden means um, uh, my delight. And so when God comes near, God says, open for me. And he comes near this familiar friendship relationship. But then a sense of the very delight that I delight in you. It's a... I don't know if gregarious, is that the right word? Or um, altruistic heart. A heart that just is spilling over with excitement just to hang out with you. This is the nature of God. My dove. One thing, and I've learned about a dove, and, and maybe, I don't know if you know this, but I've mentioned this before, but a dove doesn't have peripheral vision. A dove has singular vision meaning that they they can't see out the sides here. They just look straight ahead. And so there's this like union of connection of I'm I'm looking at you in the eyes, my dove, saying, my flawless one, if you can receive it, (laughs) if you can receive what he sees about you, if you can receive that, it's so transformative. We're people just so get into so much self-condemnation, so much guilt-ridden nonsense, a lot of shame, shame from, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, and guilt from the past. You know, if you remember the people that have impacted you the most, if you think about the ones who've impacted you the most, it's always because they believe in you. Is it not? They look at you, and all they see is something that is just, they just know inside of you, you've got it. You've got what it takes. It's that nature that's inside of God when he looks at you, the one who is flawless. I'm not looking for you to change something. I'm, I see you exactly the way you are, and I'm declaring over you what you are now. I think that any of us, if we were truthful, we would all say that we won't or long for that kind of relationship with other people, you know, especially when you get up in the morning and our hair's got, oh, you know, it's like, you still like me? Did you see what I looked like in the mirror? (laughs) No, you're flawless, honey. You're flawless. (laughs) My head is drenched with dew and my hair with the uh, dampness of the night. Look at a different translation here. 
my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drop of the night. And so we begin to um, transition. I've already, she says, I've already uh, taken off my uh, robe. Must I put it on again? I've already washed my feet. Must I soil them again? Sometimes um, then maybe, you know, I think we all deal with this. We don't like change. We've got into a good routine. You know, uh, our family, we recently interrupted uh, a, a huge routine got interrupted because of Kieran Kirkendall uh, sitting right there with the cross around his neck. <laughs> because he, he said to me, are you drinking coffee? And I said, yeah. And he said, you should stop doing that. And, I, and he told me why. And I said, done. I'm, I'm not drinking coffee anymore because of the way it messes with your endocrine system. And then crashed like five times. <laughs> in the fetal position. Sometimes, though, our life, something needs to come into it, and it, it needs to change. There are things in our life that, and I, I'm going to tell you, the awareness of what coffee has done to my wife and I, I had no idea. And I know maybe I got y'all's attention. Everybody drink coffee here. You know, they all say coffee in Jesus. You know, if you got coffee in Jesus, you can make it. You can get through anything. <laughs> Kieran says otherwise. <laughs> it's Jesus plus nothing equals something. Not Jesus plus coffee equals everything. You know, it's, 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 it's amazing what, what's happened in our, in our family. I've, I think I've lost almost 12 pounds just off coffee, coming off coffee. And a couple other things. But I'll tell you one of the things, I, when Carrie and I was going through a really tough time and all these years of, and stress and pressure and it's just been one thing after another, it's like, I remember, if you just have a cup of coffee, you know, you could just get through it and it'd read our Bible and we'll worship. But I just had no idea what that thing was doing. Now, I'm not telling you that you don't need to drink coffee. That's not my business. But I know that there are things in our life that we may be doing and not be aware of it that are creating problems for us because they're sitting there, but they're happening every day. But there are things and creating all kinds of problems for us. And it wasn't until, like he said that, that it, this awareness comes uh, to me and it changes. It is radically changing our family. I can't tell you how much it is. It's just amazing. I've already taken off and done this. I've already taken something else off. Why do I have to put it back on? I mean, I don't really understand why you're asking me to change. I mean, I don't want to um, go get myself, uh, uh, my feet dirty again. I don't, there's, there's things I just don't want to do and this resistance comes up. 
you know, you've heard me speak of this up here, but if something makes you bristle, if it's a situation in your life, someone says something to you and it's like off, or maybe it's on, and maybe it, it comes to you and you, you feel yourself tensing up, it makes you mad, or it hurts your feelings really bad, or it just gets all over you and you want to come out and you want to get the other person, point a finger at them, uh, figure out some way you're going to let them have it. You might want to just take that situation and go ahead and look at it and say, what is going on here? There's something deeper that is sitting underneath the surface that the Lord may be trying to put his finger on uh, in your life and is bring you into something that would solve uh, situations for you. You know what I mean? Do some of you know what I mean that you have to be so careful around certain people what you say? I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't have wisdom with speech. Don't get me wrong. But you have to be so careful. You have to work a back-angled thing to just talk to the person because you know if you hit that little spot. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm saying? But you know what? I'm not preaching about them today. We're, it's, this is about you. <laughs> so if you're thinking about them, stop doing that. And start thinking about what's causing you to bristle. What is causing the situation in your own life? Because it could be that the Lord's like, hey, let me in. Let me into this situation that's going on in your life so that I can not just take the callus off and smooth it, not so I can just tear, uh, you know, peel the scab back, but so that I can get down into the nitty-gritty of what's really going on. I don't want you to have gout because of uric acid increase. Uh, what does that got to do with anything? <laughs> I don't know. What is, where did that come from? <laughs> I want to solve these issues for you and not just, I, I want to get down into the things of your life and reveal some things that you can't know. Let me in. Let me in. Let me solve it. I don't want to go through this again. I've been here before. And, I, and I'll tell you that that's another thing that goes on is like, I've heard this same mantra before. I mean, you've said it to me before. I've heard it before. And nothing happened. Now, I think that that's what, in some way, the soul is saying here, hey, I don't want to change my clothing, number one. Number two, I've heard this before. You know, it's like you're, you ever heard it, this kind of adage, I don't know what it's called. Henry probably knows what this is in, in narrative, but uh, beating the bush. What's that called? Uh, beating a dead horse. What's it called? An idiom. Yeah, just, psh, here we go again. Anybody know what that is? Psh, here we go again. I'm going to go over here in my corner, put my head under the cover, get mad again, get hurt again. Right? Here we go again. I don't want to change, but here we go again, and I don't want to get my feet dirty. I've done this already before. The Lord's saying, let me in. Let me in and let me expose some things. Let me in because I know what I'm doing. Uh, let me in. And I love how he is because, again, he's saying, you're my sister. You're, you're, uh, you're my brother. You're my darling. I delight in you. Um, you're my dove. I know you and me like see eye to eye. And 
you're my flawless one. I want to come in and, uh, and help you. Uh, when I started seminary at Gordon-Conwell, my first professor was uh, Dr. Uh, Guinevere Adams. She's pretty amazing. Her dad was a history professor for at Gordon-Conwell, and she loved her daddy, and she wanted to follow in his footsteps. So she went and I think she went to Gordon College or whatever, and then went to Gordon-Conwell, and then she went on to Cambridge and got her Ph.D., in history by the time she's 30 years old. And uh, she gets to be my teacher, a first class at spiritual dynamics of life. And, um, and I remember her telling us a story, and again, I've said this before, but I think this story's so apt, um, that she, she had longed to be married and had spent, I guess she was in her 40s or so, and had served the Lord and been faithful to him and wanted uh, to be married and just hadn't really been able to come into a relationship with uh, someone, and after a long period of time, she ends up meeting a guy uh, because she, I believe she was from Wales, and she had come across back to the, the stateside while her dad did what he did, and then um, she ends up meeting a guy up in the northeast somewhere and uh, finds out that, I mean, meets him in the northeast, finds out that he grew up just right down the street from where she grew up, and that the whole time they had been like two blocks from each other. And she had waited all these years for just, you know, the right, the right guy and waited on the Lord. And the Lord sends her this guy. And it's just so, so really cool story. Well, it's her wedding day. And um, she's excited. She's got her dress. Everything's good. And um, I believe the wedding had happened. And so they're having, what do you have after a wedding? Reception. Yeah. I don't really like to go to weddings that much, but... But anyways, that's funny. I don't know why. Hospitals and weddings. <laughs> or funerals, hospitals, and weddings. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but um, so she goes to the reception. And they're dancing. This older gentleman uh, wants to dance with her. I don't know if she thought he was a gentleman. Uh, after what happens, well, he's a clumsy dancer. And um, she's dancing with him. And he hits the top of her foot really hard. Well, on the top of her foot, she had this really bad scab. And he knocks the scab off the top of the foot, and blood's just pouring out everywhere. And she's in white, and it just, she's really upset, because it's like, you've ruined my wedding day. She's in extreme pain. Ends up having to be taken to the hospital. And when she gets to the hospital, they let her know, uh, I think it was either the ER or something, maybe it's been since 2006, she told this story, but nevertheless finds out that she had gangrene in her foot. And she would have had to have her foot amputated. And it was just right there at the, right there at the uh, edge. You know, I remember that, that story just marked me so much, I haven't ever forgot it. And because... Here's the beautiful bride, the delightful one, the flawless one, the, the sister, the dove. And waiting for all these years to have this one special moment. And in the special moment, gets extremely hurt and is wounded in the midst of one of the greatest moments of her life. And, I, you know, I remember her talking about the Lord and how much it had really ministered to her. This is what I think is, if I've understood this congregation right from the Lord, it's like this. 
it's, it's like this for many of you here. You're clean. You're flawless. You've received the one eye-to-eye view of the Lord. You've, you know you're delighted in. You're not all of you. Some of you still bristle. <laughs> but you're, you're really longing for the Lord. That you're faithful to him. And I, and I believe that if I understand from the word, because this whole awareness of coffee's really opened me up, man. It's like it's just a blind spot. That's, there's something that is like, I want to like take the scab and, and I, I want you to come to me again. I, I want to like really, really uh, work you over for good. That thing that's been festering and giving you a problem, I want to end it for you. I want you to let me deal with it. I want you to just come to me. My head's been dripped with dew. It's, my hair's in the dimness of the night. It, it's a real picture of just going through, I think, a tough place. Uh, being in some difficult places that we've all been into. It says, again, I don't want to change again. I'm tired of it. And I don't, I don't want to change. I've changed and I don't want to wash my feet. And so the lover thrust his hand through the hole. It's like a keyhole. It's, it's a place where There's just something inside of each one of us. I don't know, like in the wound, there's a like a hole, and I, you know, I don't really know how to explain. But sometimes we have this little place in us, and nobody's going to get near it, and it, we've protected it and safeguarded it and kept it and uh, prized it in a way, and because it, it hurts every time it's touched. They say, I, I want you, Lord. I'm, I want you to deal with this. I want you to deal with it once and for all and for goodness. In. <laughs> Thrust it in. Thrust it into the key, I believe, here in the latch opening or the latch hole that unlocks. Unlocks, really, really unlocks who you are. It's something... I think something we protect because it's our greatest intimacy, our greatest sense of longing, our greatest sense of who we really are that no one else can really know, but we want other people to know. We want other people to admire it, or we want other people to see it. But then, you know, when push comes to shove, somebody lets us down again or hurts us right there again or doesn't really see. It's only meant for an uncreated God to pierce into it's the reason why I think he was pierced into his own side and blood and water flowed out. It's the place where he just, you let him just come on in. You feel backed into a corner. You can't do anything to solve this. It's just been problem after problem, situation after situation. This, this person, that health issue, this financial thing, I just can't get it. I don't know what it is. It's a place where God's drilling down into it. He just, uh, coming for you. He's been wanting this all along. You're learning to trust him that he could come in and 
let him take his hand, let the lover thrust his hand into, let him thrust his hand through the hole. It says my feelings were um, stirred for him. I rose to my, for my beloved, my hands were dripping with myrrh. My fingers were flowing with myrrh on the handles of the lock. And this is where this gets really delicate uh, for many of us because, and this is where he wanted me to put this today. He says, I rose to open for my beloved. I finally, I'm going to trust on my side what he's doing on his side. My hands drip with myrrh. My fingers flow with myrrh. On the handles of the lock, I opened for my beloved. But my beloved had turned and gone away. Um, and I fell into despair. When he departed, I looked for him, but I couldn't find him. And I called to him, but he did not answer me. What kind of God does that to a person? I mean, greatest vulnerability, greatest intimacy, greatest opening up of yourself. And the Lord withdraws himself. This is what he said to me. Uh, some of you, and I don't know who you are, but man, we've been plowing worship, man. <laughs> we've been saying yes to him. You, you have, you've been going after him. Uh, and he gets in, he gets into the place, and it, he gets into the place, and you get into this kind of place, and then you say, you know what? I'm coming for you. And then where'd he go? He disappeared. And you know, despair hits. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were in this room, remember? And the Lord, I was up here, and he said, my people are, are forlorn. You remember that, some of you that were here? And that was when he, he told me they're dealing with this because they're, they're coming for me. They love me. But they're feeling the despair because for many of them, I am not showing up in their situation the way they had anticipated me to. In some regards, for some of you, it feels like he's not even been around. Like you don't even know that he's there. Some of you may be experiencing like a sense of aloofness or aloneness, but I gave you everything. And then it gets worse. You know, it doesn't get better. This thing he says, I, I looked for him, I couldn't find him, I called to him, but he wouldn't answer me. And then the watchmen found me, made their rounds in the city, and they beat me and they bruised me. Um, and they took away my cloak, these watchmen on the walls. I remember going through this years ago. I had to deal with this with one of my pastors because the, the watchmen, you know, the leadership of the church, it, they just got mad and angry and they mistreat you. And, and I don't, I swore to myself because I was being trained for leadership ministry and I was like, God help me, I never do that to anybody. The Lord, but let me not be a watchman like that. I don't want to be one of those guys because it was done to me and I saw how bad it feels. Because you're like all in it for love. You do everything. And then not only has the Lord withdrawn himself, then someone, you know, that's a father figure or mother figure comes and just mistreats you. And, and it's just terrible. 
And some of you have experienced that maybe in others with leadership. You may have experienced it in, in some marital relationships that have been, uh, that are in this room where you've been extremely hurt or wounded by someone who's in a position of authority. And it is, I'm going to tell you, I think much of the church today is brokenhearted. People are outside the church lost so much because of this. They've been extremely wounded by, by uh, God's leadership. Uh, David experienced it, remember, under the hands of Saul. And I want to suggest to you that it's God's training ground for the soul and not to lose heart. Now, some of you have recovered. You've since recovered from a lot of pain in regards to uh, people in authority that have stripped your cloak away, have taken away your covering. Get out and get away from me. It's a very painful thing to go through. And some, of, some have experienced this in the loss of their uh, marriages and the, the pain that comes with that. But I, I want to tell you this. Out of the tenderness of my heart, I feel you, Lord, that love never fails Love triumphs. Don't you ever hold back on the Lord. Don't you ever pull back. It, it'll mess with you, man. You're going to go through stuff. It's going to be hard, it, or it has been. I think for many of you, you've been through a lot. Now, I love what she does. You know, this is when she's going to give her big statement of who he is. We had this happen in Collider, X2M90. Um, probably that was probably for me, that was the hardest day of ministry I'd, I've ever had, ever, maybe my whole entire life. I thought I was so brokenhearted that day. I, I thought I was going to lose my mind that day. It was the worst day I've, I think I've ever had. It was that day. And I remember, uh, I remember the Lord. I remember Pete Lineker getting up and speaking, and I remember the Lord moving uh, that day. And, and after that came the double helix, which is such a beautiful thing. 20 weeks of the seed of Christ. And out of that double helix, that's where this was found, the double helix. My beloved is dazzling and ruddy. And then she goes through these 10 aspects of who he is. And the Lord broke that down for 20 weeks in Collider. Uh, the beauty, the beauty, because why? Why would he withdraw himself? Why would he leave you vacant? Why would he do something like that? You want to talk about offended or hurt. And then let someone else mistreat you and take away your covering and kick you to the curb. Why would God design something like that? It's one of the greatest grounds of trust because you have nothing else. You have no one else to go to but to him. And it's the place, of, it's the place where real, real, real intimacy, desire, and longing begins to build and fruitfulness and knowing him and being known by him happens. God doesn't answer me. God's not paying me a bit of attention. God doesn't care about me. Even the leadership doesn't care about me. They've abandoned me. Say it's not so. Begin to sing the song of Zion. Sing the song of the Lord and speak the word of the Lord, irregardless of what you feel 
or regardless of what you can hear, speak the word, sing, sing the word, say the word, say who he is. Because I tell you, I tell you the truth, and we go now to Song of Song 6. This is what begins to happen. Listen, I, it doesn't matter. You've all been through some stuff. We've all been through some stuff. Everybody in here, we've been through something. And it's not been easy, and we've been mistreated. All of us have. We've been deeply hurt by other people, hurt deeply. But there's a lover, man. There's a lover. And he'll mess with you. And he'll get a hold of you. And he'll transform you. This thing begins to ramp up, you know, saying, what has happened here? Who is this that's appearing like the dawn? Beautiful as the moon, uh, bright as the sun, awe-inspiring as the stars in procession. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you, the nobility, the lover is ready to rush in. This morning in worship, he said, yeah, I'm going to do a backdraft in here. And I said, okay, I'm going to suck the air back. I just rush in with love, like uh, with fire and wind, you know, on the soul, on the human soul. A return to the vineyard. So I'm going to I'm going to go down to the walnut trees, the valley of the nuts. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go down to the blossoms of the valley. It's the valley of Jezreel, uh, some say. You know what Jezreel means? It means God sows. <laughs> the Lord's the one that's doing the work. The Lord's the one that's doing it for you. God sows. God's sowing in the place that looks like it's a valley to you that you've been going through. Something's beginning to uh, come forth in your heart. The blossoms are coming out. Something beautiful has come out of this adverse, this thing that you've been through, situation. And I, I was beside myself uh, with joy. Uh, there, please give me my, please give me your myrrh. Oh, daughter of my princely people. That doesn't make any sense. Remember the myrrh like a chapter ago? That's when he withdrew himself from me. Please give me the myrrh. When I get like this, <laughs> I'm like, that's what it is. I know you're good. I know, I know you're good. I know you're good. I know you're good. I know that it doesn't matter what the situation is, doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Um, please give me the myrrh. Please let me taste the death love again. Please let me taste that. Song Stephen singing the, the, the beautiful cross. 
I, I don't want to run from the cross anymore. I want to, I want to imprint it on my soul. Instead of running away and from the bristling that caused me to run away from it, now I'm going to run into it. Oh, that hurt. Ooh, that hurt. Ooh, but love's there. Instead of running from the hurt, I'm running into it. I'm running into him. Because somewhere in that, somewhere in that pain that used to cause me despair, now something's flowering inside. Something is changing. I'm not afraid anymore to just say I embrace the lover. I realized that maybe I was a little selfish and maybe I was thinking too much of myself. I'm after him, running to him. Please give me myrrh that I may taste him. say this, this is where this happens Um, the soul becomes a chariot the soul will just accelerate into him Um, you don't need electric shock treatment anymore, therapy I've been getting them up here, I got like 30 rounds of electrical shock treatment therapy Uh, Like Esther, you don't have to have all the makeup put on you and all the stuff to be accepted by the king. Uh, You're already fully accepted. You're just received and loved and wanted. Okay, so what you can do is um, you can let the soul just fly hot because there's no impediment in it anymore. It's become a, a Hebrew. They call it the Merkaba. The soul becomes a chariot. And it just accelerates forward. Uh, Let's stand together. Accelerate forward. Up to the stop. Just like this. There he is. Steve asked me his last week, he said, what happened to you last week? I was like, it was up to the stop. And he says to me, I am the holiness. And I'm overwhelmed by the Lord, Ezekiel 36. I'm overwhelmed by the Lord. Because he says, not because of, of, of what you have done as people profane my name. And he declares his name to me. I'm up here. I declare my name to you and that for the greatness of my own name, I will do this. It tenderizes my heart because I realize it's not something that's on me. But it's the greatness of his own name. It's, It's my own name that I declare to you. Not you trying to make a name. Not you trying to have a name. Y'all profaned my name. But for the greatness of my name, so I, all of a sudden I realize it. So accelerates up, and I, I realize it's, it's, wait a minute. 
the reason why you draw yourself is because it's to take out the self-life and all the self and what the self must do to have something happen. Yes, for the greatness of my name. So tender, he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. So, okay, now I'm up here. And instantly, no electric shock treatment therapy. soul is a chariot nothing is holding it back no impediment in the way but just all acceleration to the front all acceleration to him why because he's the one that's going to do it yes Lord there you go there take a deep breath sing it Stephen the Lord's got it Plan. Let's come together uh, for communion. We'll take communion together.
University, Lord.
And the Lord took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Spirit, minister the work of the chariot. Every soul in this room for easy flight, for rapid transition up into the heavens for the greatness of your own name. No more stumbling. No more tumbling. No more getting stuck. No more sticking points. No more. No, just acceleration. Up. Up into the heavens. Born from above. Life, 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 eternal life. Yes, yes. Over you, over you, over you. Go now. Moving, Spirit of the Living God. Have full sway and full control of us. What are you doing? Yes, yes. For the greatness of your name, Lord. May your name be magnified. May your name be praised, Lord. 
face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord grants you peace. Bless you today. Amen. the night 